0: Right, I am going to say a name of someone, and I'm curious, and just kind of keep track to yourself, what is the first word that pops into your head when you hear the name? Boris Johnson. Billy Graham. Luke Parkinson. Jesus. Maybe you said when you heard the name Jesus, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte showed me this, actually. We, I've got a Names of Jesus Advent calendar, because we're good Christians. And um, basically what it does is it, it has like a little card for every, every day up until Christmas from the first. And it just goes through Names of Jesus. So you might have thought when you heard the name Jesus, Savior. You might have thought Christ. Maybe son of man, maybe less likely for that one. Messiah, good shepherd, morning star, the Lord, the way, the prince of peace, the alpha and omega, the man of sorrows, the glory of the Lord, the vine, the bread of life, cornerstone, Emmanuel the mediator, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the redeemer, the son of God, the I am, the word. Those are all different names of Jesus, and maybe one of those is, is one of the words that popped into your mind when you heard it. Jesus is a name that inspires so many different reactions from different people and asking this to a church would get very different answers than if I asked this to 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 people who I work with at school but it is if we're being honest the most influential name in history and more than anyone in 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 the history of this world Jesus has changed everything and I've done that and I've just wanted you to think about like what is that first word that really pops into your head just to kind of it it brings up the point for you of what do you find is like really important for you about Jesus. Because often the first thing that comes is kind of the biggest thing that you'll think about him. So just bear that in mind. And I am now going to read our passage for today, a story from Luke chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. And I'll be reading from verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So that's our reading. Uh, we can now, if the kids want to go to Sunday school, I've been asked to ask you to leave sensibly and wash your hands on the way up. So uh, you can get going. Richard, you don't have to play with the toys. You'll be all right. <laughs> so I think a good place to start when we look at this story is to set to set the scene. And that is exactly what the passage does. Um, if you look at verse 26, it starts with, this story starts with, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was, uh, sorry, in the sixth month. And what, is the 6th month the 6th months is Elig- Elizabeth's pregnancy so it starts out by saying in the 6th month of Elizabeth's pregnancy well what what does that relate to why st- start a story about Mary and, and the angel with this in the 6th month of El- Elizabeth's pregnancy well Luke who wrote this gospel believes it's important we understand this story in the perspective of Elizabeth, and later her son, John the Baptist. Why, why is it important again? Why, if we're, if we're about to introduce Jesus and the angel has come to introduce Jesus, why, why start with Elizabeth and John? Who, ev- who even was John? John, John the Baptist, was the preparation for the coming Messiah. And, and in, in the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 40, verse 3, it says, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. So by mentioning Elizabeth at the beginning, Luke, who who wrote this, is drawing our attention to the fact that the Messiah is coming, because John is already coming. And if John's coming, the Messiah's coming. And and Luke is showing us that this whole story is in the perspective of all of this, all of what is happening, and all of what the angel is about to say to Mary... has been foretold, it's been prophesied. And this has been coming since the beginning. The king has been coming, and the king is now very close to coming. If you look in verses 26 to 28, then, this kind of precursor, um, this may be introduction, the text introduces us to some people. The first is Gabriel, and it tells us, Gabriel is an angel sent from God. The second person, Mary. And the text tells us two things about Mary. If you look, she was a virgin, and she was engaged to Joseph. And the third person is Joseph. He's not actually here, but it, defi- it mentions him. And what does it tell us about Joseph? That he was a descendant of David. David. So in this story that we're going to look at, there are three people, the angel, the engaged virgin, and the descendant of David. I wonder how you'd introduce the person sitting next to you with one word. You'd be quite uh, intentional, wouldn't you? Um, you'd, you'd probably think, what is the most important thing? If I was intr- going introduce to tr- introduce Charlotte to someone, I wouldn't say, this is Norwegian Charlotte. <laughs> I'd say, this is my wife, Charlotte. Because I see Charlotte being my wife as the, import- the most important thing in relation to me. And you might say, you know, for the person next to you, this is my wife, or my dad, or my son, or my friend, or my teacher, or, or whatever. But you'd certainly certainly pick the thing that's most important. And I think that's what Luke has done here as he's introduced these characters he has introduced them with words that the, he sees as the most important thing about them. Um, Gabriel, being an angel, signifies his status. So he is a servant and a messenger of the Lord. And and because of this, when Gabriel speaks in this story, we can take that as it is the Lord speaking through Gabriel, because Gabriel is the messenger. And for the other two, when I first went through this, I kind of thought it was a bit odd, uh, to be honest. When reading w- how it describes Mary and Joseph, it actually calls Mary a virgin before it even says a name. It says there was a virgin, oh, and, and then it says, whose name? Oh, by the way, her name was Mary. So Luke almost thinks that the virgin is more—the Im- fact that she's a virgin—is maybe more important than her name. And it's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say uh, they're Christian. It doesn't say they're religious or holy or righteous. It doesn't say any of that. But Luke, Luke really emphasizes the fact that there's just, there are some really important things that we need to know about them. So let me explain myself. In Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 7, verse 14, he says this. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him. Emmanuel. And he also prophesied short while later in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So two big prophecies and two things that people would have been looking for about the coming Messiah is that he's going to be born of a virgin and that he'll be a descendant of David. And when it says in that little bit of prophecy, the stump of Jesse, Jesse was the father of David, so it's the same line, just, uh, just saying David's dad instead of David. And so this story is, is covered in the fulfillment of prophecy. It is absolutely covered in it. And the reason it tells Mary as a virgin is that if she was going to be Jesus' mother, she had to be a virgin. And the reason it tells us that Joseph was a descendant of David was because he had to be. God had said it would be this way. And at the beginning here of this story, we're just seeing this isn't some kind of random set of circumstances or happenstance that's bringing this together. But actually, Isaiah, which was written 700 years earlier, is, all is, is framing this as this is, this is the crossing of, of loads of things that have been foretold. And interestingly, here we are, and we've got a virgin and a descendant of David, and they just happen to be engaged, uh, (laughs) indicating something's coming. And so that's the scene. Uh, The fulfillment of God's promise is coming. In verse 28, Gabriel speaks to Mary, and it says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And so you can tell straight away, God really, really loves Mary. God loves Mary. So much so that, what does it say in verse 28? The Lord is with you. He is with you. God loves and favors Mary so much that he is just with her. He's given her his presence, which is actually just wonderful. The best thing that God can give to us is his presence. I think, wouldn't that be nice if that happened to us? <laughs> if just behind me, up, up came an angel and uh, and said to us sitting here, greetings, Cape and Ray Church, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. That'd be a pretty, uh, pretty cool moment. And I think it would kind of give us a bit of shock and awe, but also we'd be encouraged, I think, to hear something like that. If an angel from the Lord came and said it, I think we'd be almost excited, and that's exactly how Mary reacts too. If you look at her response in verse 29, it says, but she was, oh, greatly troubled, great trouble. Verse 29 says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the fact that it's saying great trouble, this isn't a, um, this isn't in the sense of, did I leave the heating on or the oven on when I came here this morning? Or what am I going to do about the cow that's struggling to give birth this morning? It's, it's great trouble. And there's a clue as well that adds to it that it's great trouble, which is, you notice the angel almost senses this in her. and, And what does, what does he say in verse 30? He says again the same thing, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It's almost the exact same thing he's just said to her. He's almost said it, seen the reaction, and then just repeated it. And Gabriel is trying to reassure Mary that she is favored by the Lord and that this isn't her doing anything wrong. And I think when We've all seen nativities and stuff growing up, or we've seen dramas of, of TV shows of this kind of story, the Christmas story. Uh, I think the kids might do it in next week, which is going to be exciting. Um, and and so we come to this story with almost like a predisposition in our heads of what, what's going on, because we've seen it a lot. Um, I'd encourage you, don't think of Mary as kind of calmly standing and listening to the angel. She is... She is troubled at this point. She's afraid. The angel has to tell her don't be afraid. She's freaking out. Uh, it reminds me of some of my experiences as sec- as a secondary school teacher. Uh, I'm not afraid of the students. That's not what I'm saying. But when when a student does something really well, I I try and encourage them in that and say, like, great job and stuff. Uh, but one of the tricky things with teenagers in this country is that you can't just it, – it doesn't work too well if you praise them uh, – in front of everyone, because then they're uncool. Because who wants to s- be seen like they like physics, right? So you can't, I cannot just say across the room, I'm so proud of you doing a great job, or really well done for working hard and stuff. So so what I often will do is, because we're not allowed to go in at the moment, we've got to stay at the front, I'll say, uh, you know, come here, c- could I just see you at the front? And when I point at someone and say, could I see you at the front, the first <laughs> reaction they have is, oh no, <laughs> what have I done? And you just see this look of fear come onto their face. And, and everyone kind of looks around them like, oh, what have you done? And when they get to the front, they, and, I, and I'm like, oh, I just want to talk to you, they, they, they're almost like bracing themselves for this, uh, this big telling off. And, I, and the first thing I'll say to them is, you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. And they kind of breathe a bit. And, uh, and then I'll go on and say, I'm, I'm, you know, well done for sticking with her or doing a good job or working hard and something. I think maybe that's kind of similar with Mary here and what the angel does. Is Mary, almost, uh, Mary almost thinks that it's a negative thing, and the angel just reminds her at the beginning, twice in fact, this is a good thing, you're favored. And then from verse 31, if you look at verse 31, it says, And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is the reason that Gabriel's actually come. This is the whole reason that Gabriel's come to see Mary, is to tell her, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you need to call him Jesus. When she hears that, I wonder what the first thing that goes through Mary's mind is. Um... And we actually kind of almost get told that. Did you spot that? In verse um, 34, it says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? So that's kind of her initial reaction to hearing this. It's like, hang on a sec. That's not possible. Uh, and she's, she's almost confused a bit um, because she's a virgin, and she knows she's a virgin. There's no way that she's going to conceive But this is kind of what the Lord has has shown up and and that the angel has told her. And what does the angel do? How does does Gabriel react to that almost uh, confusion and and worry? Well, he he says, doesn't it, in verse 35, it says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So how, how, will this, how will this birth take place, this impossible birth? It says, doesn't it, the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And that's the reason that this child can be called the Son of God. If this birth, if you flip that, if this birth wasn't through the power of God and the Holy Spirit, no Jesus. And the end of verse 35 as well, it tells us, because it is of the power of God, he can be called the Son of God. That's actually a pattern that we we see today with us as well. Uh, And God is able to accomplish his plans for this Messiah through his power and his power alone. (coughs) It's only his power. And I think it's just worth asking the question before we move on, uh, in what areas... Am I still attempting a heavenly calling with my own earthly power? Verse 36, I found it kind of made like a weird turn uh, from where I thought it would go. found it a bit odd, but it does make an interesting point, and I think it does actually fit in really well uh, when you kind of wrap your mind around it. I'll read verse 36. It says, And behold... Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called Baron. And so, what what has God done here? Why has He said this after just telling her exactly how it's going to happen? It's going to be the power, my power, and the holy uh, and of the Holy Spirit. Why is He then telling her about Elizabeth? He's kind of already explained to her how it's going to happen. So why make this point? Well. I find in life that one thing that really encourages us is if God has done it before. And I find for me, especially in prayer, when God has answered a prayer of mine before, when I go to pray that same thing, it's a lot easier to pray because it's like he's already done it. He could definitely do it again. And I think that's the same reason he d- he that the angel says this to Mary um, is, that, is that God is just reminding Mary through Gabriel. He's like, I've already done it. I've already done it. And that will encourage Mary. Because if Mary's question is, how am I going to conceive, it's impossible. God's just reminding her, well, I've just caused a barren lady to conceive, so I can do it. And maybe that's a pattern for us as well that we can take from this. That, you know, as, as we look around and we talk to each other and we hear stories of the Lord's goodness to us, we can be encouraged by it. Because if I'm thinking, wait, can can God do that in my life, and then I hear a story of someone else in this church or or beyond where God has done it, I can take that as an encouragement that, you know what, we can do it, he's already done it. And so it, it does beg the question, how can we both encourage and be encouraged more through our testimonies of what God has done in our lives? In this, whole, in this whole moment with, with, with the angel and Mary and this whole story of just before Jesus is conceived, there's, there's one direct instruction for Mary. There's just one. There's one thing that the angels come out to tell to do. Did you notice that in verse 31? The one instruction, you are to call him Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. That's the one thing that Mary has to do post this meeting is call him Jesus. And after Gabriel tells her this, he just seems to get really excited. I think it just there's a sense of almost bubbling over with the amount of stuff that he's about to say. Um, Because he just goes on and I'll read verses 32 and 33. He just kind of goes on to list loads of stuff about what Jesus is going to be like. And so he goes uh, in verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Gabriel's just kind of gone off and said loads of, he's actually said five things that what Jesus is going to be like before he's even conceived. So I just like to kind of unpack each one of those. So if we look at number one, what does he say Straight straight off the bat? He will be great. Jesus will be great. So I thought it would be a good idea to just go through a list of Jesus' achievements, and this is by no means all of them. This is some of them. Uh, it's, uh, he lived a perfect, sinless life. He bore the sin of the world on the cross. He was raised, defeating death. He rose into heaven to reign at the right hand of the Father. He loved like no human has ever loved before. He knew the Lord like no human has ever known the Lord before. He established a kingdom that he reigns with absolute truth, justice, and integrity. He comes alongside his church and he comforts them. He encourages them. He guides them. He speaks to them. He healed the eyes of the blind. He healed the legs of the lame. He healed the diseases of the lepers. He has and still is taking people's hearts of stone and giving them new life and new hearts of flesh so that they can and we can start to see the wonder and glory of God. He forgives people their sin, and he did it all because he wanted to, because he loves the Father and he loves us. And because, as we've seen before, he was destined to. It was foretold for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. What was his name who did all this? Jesus. Jesus. I wonder how, how we can appreciate the greatness of Jesus more. Number two, the second thing the angel says. He says, Jesus will be called the Son of the Most High. And the father is claiming now, before this child is born, that he is his son. This child to be born has a divinity that no man has had before. And it is clear that the savior of the world, the one who actually ends up saving us, is God himself. Jesus is God. The third thing it says, he will be given the throne of his father, David. And again, this statement ties into the prophecies that Luke's kind of already alluded to at the beginning of the story. And, and, we've st- and we, when we went through Abraham just earlier as well, we saw that this is the covenant. And we see that God here is the fulfiller of promises. God is faithful to do what he said he will do. He will do it. He will do it. And here, and here the angel is saying that Jesus will be given the throne of his father, David, And uh, it's not talking about David as Jesus' literal father because that's Joseph and and God, Um, but just the fact that Jesus will come through David's lineage. And so further from being great and the son of the Most High, we see as well that Jesus will sit on the throne of the kingdom that God has established. In fact, Jesus will be that final, everlasting king of that kingdom. A kingdom that you are in today, if you believe in him, and it is an absolute joy to be in it. Are you in that kingdom? Number four, similar to number three, uh, Jesus won't only sit on the throne, he will also reign. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Isn't that good news? I think it is. Uh, As you read the rest of Luke's account of Jesus' life, we get to see what Jesus is like as he begins to reign. And ultimately, because of that, we get to see what God is like and how God reigns. We see our king resist temptation. We see our king free captives from the possession of the demon-possessed. And we see our king heal those who are sick. Something he still does today. We see our king teach those about his kingdom and life is a part of it. Something he still does today, we see a king who actually understood what his people go through. He sees their struggles and he meets them in it. Our king does that. He is a good king. Who's that good king again? Jesus. How does your life reflect what your king, Jesus, is like? And number five, the last thing the angel says, he says, Jesus is, or he says, his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus' kingdom, there will will never end. A kingdom that we can be a part of, that will never end, will never leave. A kingdom where the work that we do has everlasting meaning and value, a kingdom that is global and will be fully established when our king returns. All this because of one name, Jesus. And Jesus has accomplished exactly what those verses said before he was even conceived. He is called great. He is called the son of the most high. He has been given the throne of his father, David. He does reign over Jacob's descendants and his kingdom will never end. What makes the name Jesus more significant than any other is what the, the man with that name accomplished and who he is. He did something and is doing something that no one else has ever done before. Something no one else will ever do. I think when you hear the name Jesus, one thing that Luke wanted his readers to hear, and maybe it's one thing that God wants his people to hear, is Jesus is a name that resonates all of those things I just listed. Good, good, encouraging things. Why is this all possible? Have a look at verse 37. Verse 37 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And we are part of a kingdom today that has a king that can do the impossible. For Mary, God doing the impossible was causing her as a virgin to conceive the Savior of the world. And interestingly, this baby, yet to be conceived at this point, will in 30 years' time repeat those same words when asked Then who can be saved? And Jesus replies, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Our king has saved us. Jesus has saved us. And I pray as as a church that our response will be the same as Mary's was. In verse 38. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I hope this passage in this story more than anything else has encouraged you. The name of Jesus. What a name it is. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful for the name of Jesus. A name that has saved us, a name that has given us life a name that resonates, a good king. Father, thank you that it's all possible because of your power and your spirit. I pray, Father, that our responses will be the same as Mary's. May your will be done. Amen.